Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All right, church, if your kids are now back in kids' church, sorry to interrupt your conversations, but go ahead and take a seat so we can get started. Hi, doll. I really think we probably just need like a service dedicated to mingling <laughs> because I'm not a talk, like I, I'm not the one to approach people and start conversations, but I'll talk to you if you come up to me. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll just have like a hangout night, family night at the church where we just hang out and talk and get to know each other. Um, I saw a lot of hugs, a lot of smiling faces as people approach them. And I I love that. I love that um, this is our home. And everybody, I hope and pray that you feel home when you walk through those doors. Um, Because this is my first time preaching on this stage and it feels like home. I was... So excited to, like, this is where I get to deliver God's word for hopefully a long, 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 long time. And so my prayer is that if this is your first time with us or you've been here for a long time, um, my girl KJ, she's home (laughs) for a short time, but she's home. And I just love, I love this home. So if you don't know me, my name is Katie Simbersky. Um... And I get the honor and privilege of um, being on the teaching team. And I don't take that lightly. Um, I don't take it lightly at all that I get to um, be used as a vessel by the Lord to deliver uh, the word that God has just impressed upon my heart to you all. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for every um, person who walked through these doors this morning, every adult, every child, every baby, um, every unborn child. God, and I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for the ways that you meet us. Uh, I thank you for the power and the authority that we have because of you, Jesus. And so I just pray that um, this word that... I, when we were singing that song, I had a, a picture of like Isaiah where a, my lips were just being touched with that hot coal. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you um, that because of you, we get to know you and speak your word to other people. And it's not just people who stand on this stage. It's every single one of us. And so, Lord, I pray for open hearts. I pray for open ears um, for every person that would hear this word that is from your throne room, God, to just encounter you uh, and live in a new way. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I'm far away from my podium praying. Chris and Mike, thank you for kicking off this series um, in such such a powerful way. Uh, Chris instructed us. Uh, instructed us to instruct others to be in their place in the battle, and Mike for encouraging us to encourage others. Um, But I get the middle, we don't often do five-week series, I feel like, and I get to be the middle child in this series. (laughs) And my, um, my statement is a lot different than everybody else's. So you'll have this verse memorized by the end of this series, I hope. 
We appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not in their place in battle. Be skilled at gently encouraging those who feel themselves inadequate. Be faithful to stand your ground, is this week, and help the weak to stand again. Be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. Now, this is your third week hearing this, and I don't know if you notice, but every other sentence in this verse involves other people. But this week, smack dab in the middle of this verse, it says, be faithful to stand your ground. So this week is all about us. It's all about authority. I think that's the underlying uh, theme of this series is authority because Chris and Mike both have touched on it. And so when I was preparing, actually these words just came to me last minute on Friday and I wish they would have came before I sent my media into Holly, but that's okay. Um, Three words that I want you to remember, be faithful to stand your ground by. If that is all you take away today, first, I hope it's really this first word, authority. But then how we um, carry out our authority, our armor in action. And so authority is defined, we're going to start with authority. And it's defined as the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. And I think we can easily agree or we get excited when we have authority over other people. Um, Parents in the room, especially with young kids, like you have the authority over your children. So my seven-year-old and seven-month-old, I give them, or well, not the seven-month-old as much, but we'll get there. He'll be out of this cute baby stage one day. But my seven-year-old, I have to give him orders. I have to instruct him, like clean your room, brush your teeth. I often make decisions for him, like where he's going to school. And then I have the authority to enforce obedience. And sometimes that's, that's really hard. Like I want to be like, oh, and then Thomas reminds me, um, no, he should not talk to you that way. He, he's a little more of the enforcer, but we all have things we need to work on. And so when it comes to the authority we have to claim over ourselves, I think we've, we forget that we have to do these things for ourselves. Like, I have the power and the, I have to operate under the authority of Jesus to make decisions for my life, to enforce obedience and walk with him. Um, I have the power. I have to give myself orders. I have to have the mind of Christ, and operate under his authority. And this doesn't mean that we're puppets controlled by God. And I think if you have a worldly mindset, that is what um, the world thinks of Christians, is that we're just puppets operating, uh, being operated by God, being controlled. Like, you can't do this. You can't have sex outside of marriage. Oh, that's unfortunate. You can think of any, like, world, any worldly thing, and people are like, oh, you're just being controlled. Christianity, not for me. We have to have a mind shift, mindset shift. It's an honor to be under the authority of Christ. It's an honor to be under the authority of Christ. 
There is no higher or greater name because my name cannot make demons tremble and flee. Your name cannot do that either. My name does not tick off the devil. My name, Katie Simbersky, holds no power or authority. And there might be some people who, in, in a worldly stance that, like, yes, we have to operate under the authority of other people and jobs and schools and other places. But when it comes down to it, your name holds no power or authority, but the name of Jesus does. And even though your name doesn't hold that power, we get to claim it. He has freely given that gift to us to claim his name and sit under his authority. And we get to stand on his name as our solid ground because of his death and resurrection. And we have the power and the authority because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And so, church, are you ready to stand your ground? Like I said before, um, every other statement in this verse, Isaac, if you could throw that up there one more time. It involves others, instruct others, encourage others, help the weak, demonstrate patience. But then I think we, needed, we need that reminder in the middle. Be faithful to stand your ground because none of these other things matter if you are not standing your ground. You should not be instructing other people if you are far from Jesus. You cannot encourage other people to walk with him, to operate under that authority, if you are not doing it yourself. You can't help, we're going to hear next week, help the weak to stand again. Why you should not be helping the weak to stand again when you are flat on your face yourself. Because you're, you need people around you to help you stand again. And I'm pretty sure, because I know this from personal experience, that I am not a patient person when I am not standing with Jesus. If you Google search, thank you H&H Hour for helping me properly say Google search. <laughs> Stand your ground. Um, nothing biblical comes up, but what comes up is information on something that's called the Stand Your Ground Law. And if you're not familiar with it, um, it's not in every state, but a good chunk of the U.S. has adopted this law. And it's explained as this. Stand your ground law allows a person to use force if necessary, if there is a threat or ha of harm. Many self-defense laws state that a person that believes they are being threatened with personal injury has a duty to retreat. If there is a continued threat after leaving, the threatened person is permitted to use force to defend themselves. And Stand Your Ground states there is no duty to retreat. Now, this, not, this might not be legal in our state if we are to get into a physical altercation with someone, kidnapped, etc. Um, we would have to run away first before we can actually use deadly force as self-defense. But that brings us to our second A, armor. Because I believe as Christians, we are called to action from the day we say yes to Jesus. We have to be faithful to stand our ground. And so while we can't physically, uh, like, 
if I would, were to be attacked, I can't automatically like attack the other person. I have to try and run away first. I don't have to do that with the spiritual battle that I am in. I don't have to run away from the devil. I have the authority. I have the power right here, right now to defend myself. And so do you. Because we have a real enemy and we cannot ignore that. I think we've ignored it for too long. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And open your ears right now. Because his only goal is to keep you and every other person on this earth out of heaven. And it comes in different, he, his tactics are different for every person. But his only goal is to keep you out of heaven. His tactics and schemes, they're used in different ways. But he wants to keep me and you out of heaven. And he will do whatever it takes to make us doubt, lose focus, or walk away from Jesus. We, church, we have to defend ourselves. We, can't keep, let, keep, let, we cannot let him keep coming in. We can't be okay with this battle. We can't be content. We can't just sit here and let the enemy do whatever he wants because there are people, there are people that will not be sitting with us in heaven one day. And that should break our hearts. If that is not a call to action, then anything else, please take that and run with it to share Jesus with other people. And the Lord doesn't leave us unequipped for these battles. He, Chris has already touched on it, but I think it's important to repeat it again. He's given us, um, he's given us armor. And in Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that when you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I did not even know that was there until I was reading through it again this morning. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. I wanted to make sure um, that last verse, verse 18, was said because we can wear this armor, but then we also have to be in, in communication with God. And so that, that prayer is an important part of wearing our armor. We have to be aware. We have to be alert to the threats that he attacks us with in our everyday life. 
And it starts with our relationship with Jesus. Someone that I work with, every time he prays, um, it's almost every time he prays, he ends his prayer with, tighten our armor like never before because the battle rages on. And Ryan's smiling at me because he knows who it is. But it's so true. We should have that daily reminder to tighten our armor. Because just because we made it through one thing or we helped this person through one thing, it doesn't mean it's over. Tighten our armor like never before because the battle rages on. Don't let your belt be unbuckled. Your shoes untied. Don't let your shield get rusty. Pick it up. Use it every day. Don't let your arms get too weak to pick up your sword. A Bible is not that heavy. Don't forget your helmet. And if you feel like you can't do it, rally other people around you. Because there are people who want to help you stand your ground. There are people who are going to come around you. I have, I'm so blessed by this church because people have rallied and picked me up time and time again. And honestly, that's why I'm here today. But if you feel, sometimes when you feel like you don't have people around you or you just need a reminder, Hebrews 11 is a great place to start with the heroes of the faith. And a few people who quickly came to mind that um, I struggled for weeks. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. who I could use all of these people. <laughs> but I feel like they're kind of givens. Esther, Noah, Moses, Stephen. But then I stumbled across a few guys who I, didn't, I had never really paid attention to before. Um, my husband, his go-to place to read in the Bible is Dave, like the life of David. And my go-to place is Isaiah or the Psalms. So <laughs> I was challenged with this. <laughs> um, and these guys were, these men were called to action. And we find them in First Chronicles 11 and uh, 2 Samuel 23. And they're David's mighty warriors. So in 1 Chronicles, it says, These were the chiefs of David's mighty warriors. They, together with all of Israel, gave his kingship strong support to extend it over the whole land, as the Lord had promised. This is a list of David's mighty warriors. Jeshoabim, a Hakamanite, was the chief of the officers. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed in one encounter. Just one guy. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, an Ahonite, one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David at Pastamim when the, Philist when the Philistines gathered there for battle. At a place where there was a field full of barley, the troops fled from the Philistines. But they took sta their stand in the middle of the field. They defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. And then the second time we see them is in 2 Samuel 23, 8 through 12. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joashem, a Tachamanite, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against three, 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Victory. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai the Ananite. 
As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamine for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. That's not mentioned in the other uh, passage where we find them. The then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shema, son of Agi the Herite, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils. Israel's troops fled from them, but Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about great victory. These men are remembered for standing their ground. And the victory the Lord brought to them because they were faithful not to back out of battle. We need to be more like them and less like the Israelites who retreated and left Eleazar alone to fight by himself. Church, we can't stand on the sidelines anymore. We cannot stand on the sidelines anymore. We can't be content. We can't be half-hearted. We cannot be lukewarm if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you right out of his mouth. Gone are the days of flippant Christianity. And if you think showing up to church and sometimes reading your Bible and praying at dinner is enough, then please, 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 please let this be your wake-up call. Because I need it for myself. Like, I can use the excuse that I have a baby that wakes up in the middle of the night or a long list of other things not to be disciplined and spend time with the Lord. And I really struggle at being disciplined and spending time with him, but I know that it's important. But that I could write this big, long list. But on the other side, there's only one thing. It's like a pros and cons list. The only pro is time with Jesus. Like, there's, there's nothing else. What am I going to lose by spending time with Jesus? I'm going to lose my, my selfish wants and desires. That's, that's what you're laying down to make the sacrifice of, and be disciplined to spend time with him. Everything else, it can wait because Jesus can't. And he waits for you and he will wait for you and he'll keep waiting for you. But that shouldn't be our excuse to make him wait for us to come to him. Because he doesn't want you in the sidelines. He wants you in the game. He wants you in the battle if you're a sports fan. Like, growing up, I was not the best at sports. I honestly probably got to play the most because my dad was the coach and he felt bad if he didn't put me in. And the one time I tried to play a sport without my dad as my coach was cheerleading. And I... I thought I would, like, oh, this will be kind of fun. Like, everybody's doing it. And so I decided to become a cheerleader. I am not coordinated whatsoever. I will not try and show you my herky. I'd rip my jeans. And so I came home one day realizing I look like a fool. I hate cheerleading. And my dad's like, well, you can't quit. He's like, you committed to it. You're not quitting. It's like, well, if I can't quit, maybe I just won't show up to practice. So I was kicked off the cheerleading team 
for lack of participation. And it might be a funny story, but the Lord has really been working on that in my heart, on commitment and showing up for the things that I say yes to. Or even if I don't want to do it or think I'm going to look like a fool, I have to do it. And my physical body might not be that great or coordinated, but Lord, let my spiritual body be coordinated. Let my spiritual body, it's equipped because of his death and resurrection. And you are equipped because of his death and resurrection. And it's because of his authority. It's nothing that I have done. It's only because I say, yes, Lord, I will do what you ask me to do. I will go where you ask me to go. The only thing he asks you to do is have faith and obey. But we make those seem like that's the hardest thing in the world, is to have faith and obey. It's like a toddler throwing a temper tantrum when the Holy Spirit nudges us to do something. And something I heard the Lord speak so clearly, and it deeply, deeply, deeply convicted me. Because I think sometimes when I'm just idly going through, through life, um, I'm okay with that, just a participation trophy. And the Lord was like, I'm not handing out participation trophies in heaven, Katie. Like, just because you sit here and say you are following me, when you get to heaven, you are not getting a participation trophy. Get up off your butt. Get in the game. It's not your free pass to heaven just because you sit here on a Sunday morning or just because you sometimes listen to worship music or you sometimes pray or you sometimes read your Bible. Because as we sang earlier, we pretty much sang my entire message in that champion song and I didn't even know until this morning and run through and I was just sobbing. Because that crown, he's handing it to us right now. And while we physically don't get to wear it on our heads, it would be kind of funny if we all walked around with crowns. That's not going to be unusual in heaven. He's handing you a crown right now, and it's a precious gift that we have to take care of here on earth. I believe that's part of us bringing, like, the, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, is us operating with that right now. It's us protecting our crowns right now. And in Revelation 3, 11 says, I am coming soon. Other translations say, I am coming swiftly. But I come swiftly. So cling tightly to what you have. This NIV version says, hold on to what you have. So that no one will take your crown so that no one may seize your crown of victory. It comes back, we have an enemy, and he's trying to take that crown. That crown of victory is, is our access to heaven. That is because Jesus' death and resurrection, we have this crown of victory. 
And we don't know when he's coming, but he says it will be quick. And so if he came in this room right now, what do you, where do you think you would stand? We have to stand our ground now. If we don't, that crown easily slips right out of our hands. If you are operating in your flesh, that crown is probably on the floor. And sometimes I feel like I'm just barely hanging on for dear life by my pinky. It's like I'm hanging off of a cliff. Because I'm so caught up in everything else. I'm so distracted and my focus isn't on Jesus. And I'm okay with that participation trophy. I'm okay with, uh, with checklist Christianity. Like, oh, did that, did that, did that. Jesus loves me. And because I'm okay with participation, I don't notice a misstep in my life. And that one misstep can lead you down a path of destruction. I was in a conversation with some friends this week, and one of us asked, how do people get so far away from Jesus? Like, how, how are they this, this far away right now? And of course, it's different for everyone because our lives are different, and our convictions are different, and our sin is different. And, but I think it starts with just one misstep for us all. And if we aren't operating under his authority we're not going to notice that misstep. If we aren't operating under his authority, we won't, we won't see it. Because just one step off course and we're standing on the wrong ground. We're standing on rocky, rocky, I would just picture like a, what's that called? It's a pit of sand and it's like sinking. Quicksand, yep. We're no longer on victorious ground. And we're barely keeping our footing on this uneven, unstable ground. And I know it's been that way in my life. The second I take my eyes off Jesus, I am in a downward spiral. And I have a long list (laughs) of things that he has redeemed me from and forgiven me for. And if I shared my entire story with you, we would be calling Jimmy Johns. Because the Lord has done a lot in my life. But I am so thankful for that. And I struggled with what part of my, Lord, what part of my story do I share here? And the part that I didn't want to share, I think is what he's bringing up right now in this moment. It's opposite of what I had written in my notes. I'm bad at math, but I think it's five years. Um, almost five years ago, I, I don't know where the misstep happened, but there was a misstep in my, in my marriage, and I took my eyes off of Jesus. And not only did I walk away from my husband, I walked away from this church and the people that love me. I walked away from Jesus completely. And for three months, but looking back, like those were the longest three months of my life, and Thomas would probably agree with you, or with me, that it was the longest three months. 
and he battled for me. And a lot of people in this room battled for me. But it was only something I could do to come back to Jesus. Everyone can pray for you to come back to the Lord, but it's your choice. He gives you the choice. If someone would have drugged me back to church in the middle of all that, I would have been so mad. I would have been kicking and screaming and not outwardly because I don't like attention drawn to myself, but I would have been angry. And that probably would have pushed me further away from the Lord. It had to be my choice. And it was in a moment of of loneliness and desperation, that's where the Lord met me. And that's where I took that first step, that first right step to be on solid ground again. And so I want to encourage you, if you are in a place where you feel alone and desperate, ask Jesus for that next right step because he wants to meet you there. And it, it Also to encourage you, if you are praying and desperately asking the Lord for people to come back, keep doing it. Don't give up. I am a testimony for more than one reason of the power of people interceding for you, for standing in the gap for you. And so keep fighting for those people. Because one day, you get to be a part of that turning point. Your prayer, your desperation, you calling out to God, thats you get to be a part of that turning point. And how awesome is it to be used by the Lord in that way? When we were, um, when the band was practicing, I was reminded of Psalm 40, um, 1 through 3. And I know these words are for someone today. They've been um, words that I've clung to for a long time now. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He set me on solid ground. He is setting people in this room today on solid ground. He is picking you up out of that pit because he's heard your cry. He's heard the cries of the people who have interceded for you, and he's putting you on solid ground. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And I encourage you to go and read through the rest of that psalm today. Because that firm ground that you stand on, that song that he's put inside your mouth, he is using it to bring heaven to earth. Heather shared something earlier this week of a new sound. And I'm being reminded of that right now. That song that he is putting in people's mouths right now, that is the new song. That is a new sound. And the enemy can't take it. I just picture him like covering his ears because he's so mad. (laughs) And church, we live in a world with a long list of opinions and things that people think we should be passionate about. You can open Instagram 
and people are going to tell you what you what you should be passionate about, what you should like, what you should be doing, what you should be saying. And we live, unfortunately, in this broken world that is full of controversy and chaos. And there's we cannot escape it. We will not escape it until we get to heaven. But in a world where people are telling us what we need to be passionate about, let's be passionate about Jesus first. Let's operate under that authority. Because everything else flows from that. And I'm tired of letting my mind be filled with other people's thoughts and opinions with, without first taking into account Jesus. And if you've stepped away from him and you feel like you're struggling to get back on track, I want you to know that he loves you so, so much. And there's grace for those missteps. There's freedom from the change that, chains that you think you are in. And today is a new day. And he wants to take away that participation trophy that you think you're holding. And he wants to replace it with a crown. He's waiting right now for people to just walk forward and to take that crown out of his hands. And if you're sitting here this morning, or if you hear this on the podcast, and you don't know how you feel about Jesus, I urge you to find someone to talk to today. Because that confusion and frustration and doubt, he, do, he doesn't want you to stay there any, any longer. Again, he wants to hand you that crown. He wants to take away all those things that you have this tight grip on. And he wants to replace it with a crown. He just wants you to open your hands. There are a lot of people in this room that could share Jesus, that are able to share Jesus with you. And they want to know your heart. They want to answer your questions. Don't feel ashamed of having questions. I think that's healthy and growing in our relationship with the Lord. But most importantly, I know there are a lot of people in this room who want you to experience Jesus, who have been praying far before you ever set foot in this room that you would experience Jesus. And if you feel like you hold tightly to your crown, and you stand on the ground for Jesus, then please keep doing that. Don't let the enemy distract you. Keep equipping yourself. Stay disciplined. Operate under that authority. Don't let the enemy distract you. Because we need you. We need you to be instructing people in their place in battle. We need you to be encouraging those who feel inadequate. We need you. The kingdom of heaven needs you. You are valuable. Church, let's all operate under the authority of Jesus Christ. Let's put on our armor and cling to our grounds and crowns and stand firmly on the ground for Jesus. Because at the end of the day, nothing else matters. And this beautiful gift that he has waiting for you and your hands are filled with a bunch of other things. He's ready for you. Don't drop your crown. Don't let it get dusty. Don't let it get dirty. 
because there is a world that needs Jesus. There are people who desperately need Jesus. And because of him, you have the authority to share him with other people. Be bold. That is something I am constantly learning and trying to get better about, is being bold. And it's easy, it's easier said than done. But there are a lot of moments in my life where I should be sharing Jesus with other people, but I'm scared to look like a fool. And so I set down my crown and I pick up my pride. I'm like, oh, I'll let somebody else do that. I'll let somebody else look like the weird person. Cling to your crown because he's coming swiftly and we don't know when. And I don't want to miss out on all that he has for me in eternity. But I really don't want to miss out on what I can be doing right here, right now. For the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father God, um, we just come before you. And Lord, I pray. I pray that for humble and contrite hearts. Lord, hearts that just want to operate under your authority. Hearts that want to be instructed by you. Hearts that want to be obedient to you. Jesus, I just ask as we sing this last song that you would just strip away everything that hinders us from experiencing you. That all of our pride would be laid down, God, and we would experience you like never before. May our hearts tremble because of the fear of the Lord and our love for you, Jesus. God, we aren't afraid. Lord, I'm not afraid anymore. I don't want to be afraid of this world and the things that come against me, Jesus. Jesus, we're ready. We're ready for all that you have because you are coming quickly. So may we cling to our crowns. And like my brother Jay prays, may we tighten our armor like never before because the battle is on. And we're in this battle, Jesus. We're not on the sidelines anymore. We are standing right next to you. We thank you that the victory is already ours and that you have given us a firm place to stand. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.